Hi, everyone. This is Brian Qualls, and you're listening to the first episode of a brand new podcast called Light Logic. Uh, I'm very excited about this. It is uh, everything you ever wanted to know about low voltage lighting, but we're afraid to ask. And uh, in this first episode, we'll have Dr. Tom Kunze uh, as my guest, and we're going to go over a little bit of, of everything uh, from why pick low voltage lighting to, uh, over line voltage and really what is the best products that are out there. Sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and uh, thanks for downloading the podcast. My name is Brian Qualls. This is actually our, our first episode. A uh, little thing about uh, what we're going to be doing here, we're going to be talking about low-voltage landscape lighting. I know there's a lot of options when you talk about low-voltage, but we're going to focus specifically on low-voltage landscape lighting, uh, talking about tips, tricks, um, installs, troubleshooting, uh, really anything and everything that's out there that uh, involves with it. I'm going to try and have a guest on my show um, you know, just about every episode. And actually today I have um, uh, Tom Kunze with me today, who we affectionately call uh, Dr. Tom. And, and Tom, thank you for, for joining me on our, our first podcast today. Why, thank you. So um, first, uh, as we kind of get into this, uh, I think I want to talk about uh, a little bit about myself first um, and kind of why I'm doing this and who I am. So I am Brian Qualls. Um, I've been in the business for over 20 years, uh, started my life out as a landscape architect and then migrated over to um, come work for Unique Lighting and, and now their business development manager over there. So uh, landscape lighting has, has been part of my deal from, uh, you know, design to install pretty much my entire career since college. Um, and uh, Tom, I know you've been doing this a heck of a lot longer than, than myself and like to kind of hear a, uh, a little bit of, of your background, what, what brought you to landscape lighting and, uh, you know, your, you know, what, what your progress and, and really the probably the most important thing is really want to know why they call you Dr. Tom. So go ahead and take it away. Hello, everyone. Well, I got into lighting uh, really through um, doing high voltage electrical and uh, progressed into working for a distributor selling wholesale products. And one of the things I was really attracted to was uh, lighting because it was really difficult for me to get excited about sprinklers. So lighting, up. when you say lighting, you're interested in lighting as far as the high voltage stuff or getting into the low voltage? The low voltage stuff was... And then back uh, then, what, there weren't a lot of options, right? I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to date you, Tom, here, but, uh, you know, low voltage lighting has really grown in a short period of time in the, in the past uh, years. So what, what was the landscape like, pardon the pun, but back then when you first started getting into landscape lighting, what, what is it compared to now? It was really poor. The systems were weak, basically 12 volt based, a lot of voltage drop, uh, requirements to use, really heavy gauge wire that was very expensive, tons of connections in the ground. Um, really, it seemed like the manufacturers were focused more on selling a product, and once the product was sold, they really didn't care after that. And something I learned quickly was. Uh, how big our warranty pile was in the rear with a lot of this product coming back uh, just wasn't up to par. So the foundation wasn't there for a good system and I felt like the quality wasn't there for uh, 
the products being manufactured. And uh, this is kind of what led me towards Unique is, like I said, it was hard uh, to get excited about sprinklers and things, but I was attracted to outdoor lighting because of my electrical background. So I really enjoyed helping customers and contractors, uh, creating design and using the proper fixtures. Uh, so then what did, you, what did you start with? Were you really got into the design side of it or did you get more into the install and helping um, customers, contractors, what, what have you um, get going? Where, where, did you, where did you spend most of your focus on? I think it was really problem solving and it was, um, you know, trying to really help them lay out the best foundation for the lighting they could uh, with very limited resources in the manufacturing. Um, I mean, there was a lot lacking in the system. So it was really trying to help people do it the right way and try to uh, create a system that would last uh, not have too many problems in the field. Because um, back then, when, when low voltage lighting first came out, I mean, a bulb lasted, what, six months, eight months? I mean, constantly replacing if it was properly bolted, you know, unbolted. It was, I mean, the systems had an inherent problem just, just from, from day one. So um, Exactly. There was actually one manufacturer, I thought this was pretty funny, is they had a little switch on their devices called lamp saver and what they were actually doing was introducing voltage drop to the lamps uh, so instead of getting 12 volt they would be getting 10 volt or maybe even lower depending on voltage drop to make the lamps last longer but really what you ended up with was very low performance you had an 18 watt incandescent bulb that probably wasn't putting out half the lumens of a 20 watt halogen to today's standard and everything looked kind of orange and yellow mm -hmm. it was terrible yep i remember those it was days. just terrible yeah. but the fact was is they were using really cheap bulbs uh my opinion was they were nothing more than garden tractor headlights they were horrible sure. or automobile style bayonet that's bulbs. why i still tell people when i tell them what a part 36 is i say it's, it looks like a, a motorcycle headlight and that, that instantly everybody knows what what that means so correct okay so then my, my next question for you is actually probably then then a perfect question just based on your background is why low voltage over over line voltage we see it everywhere and you know and, and let's let's talk specifically and i don't we don't probably run into this too much in the residential realm on the out outdoor space but why do i want to talk to someone why do i want to talk to a homeowner about a low voltage lighting system versus a a line voltage or 120 volt system that you know potentially is out there well line voltage you know it, it has its pros and it has its cons uh if you were doing a, a new install i guess line voltage you know could be acceptable but you're going to have to follow code you're going to have to pull permits you're going to have to have everything a conduit. You're going to have to have what they call J boxes or connection boxes sticking up out of the ground. Uh, so the look itself is horrible. When you go look at a commercial project and you see these line voltage fixtures, you'll notice a connection or a J box on top of conduit. And aesthetically, it just looks terrible. Or you can use permaposts. So before we before we move on, you said there are some pros to, to line voltage. What what are 
what are some of the the pros? I mean, the one that comes to mind that's obvious to me is that there's very little to no voltage drop, right? I can run 100 miles with with line voltage, and I don't have to worry about uh, you know voltage drop on on the system. We'll get into LEDs later, and we'll talk about voltage drop in that another time. But you know, like I said, that's probably the only pro that that I can I can think of um, at this point. I mean, what what are the pros on the line voltage side? That is really the only pro is you know you can do long runs with very little to no voltage drop you know but the costs associated the fact you're doing everything on conduit the fact you're having to uh invasively trench which if it's a new product project that's okay but if you're trying to go into an existing project with beautiful landscapes and stuff you're probably going to destroy half of the irrigation and everything else because how, how deep yard. do you have to go with the Depends on the local and city codes, but it's usually at least 12 inches or deeper. Compared to low voltage, which is... Low voltage, I mean, I, I don't abide by this, but you can almost lay the wire on top of the ground and cover it with mulch. Um, I would always bury the wire, you know, and put it in the most safest uh, area I could find, but there isn't really a code or a restriction I usually tell people get about wire. six inches and, and we're covered. You know, Correct. if you're running across a lawn, you know, you can take a, a the blade of a shovel and actually peel that lawn up and That's tuck, it, tuck it underneath. So, yes, you're, you're trenching. You're not having to worry about hitting, you know, existing irrigation and, and that sort of stuff. So, right. I mean, we go on projects where we see 500 lights being installed and it can be very little to no invasiveness. You know, you can be very careful. You can strategically place and put the wire in and not destroy anything it's very forgiving and i think on the upside the really huge factor is safety you know with low voltage lighting it's safe it's safe in the wet location with the kids with dogs with whatever it's safe um you know putting high voltage out there in a wet location isn't the best idea so how many times have you shocked yourself a lot that's why i have curly hair So, and that's kind of what I, I tell people too, is it's, it, there is, it's, it's a safety side. You're not um, really limiting yourself to the professionals who, who can install it. So you've looted a little bit to on the commercial side. And I, I think that's the reason why um, we see these fixtures when you go to even an HOA, you know, where they're out of whack, they're knocked over, they're not, you know, lighting up because you've got to hire an electrician to go out there and, and, take a look at it mm-hmm. and and see you know and then what's an electrician cost these days versus on the low voltage side your landscape maintenance guy's already out there and, and if he's the right maintenance guy that knows how to do this stuff you know he's not you don't have to pay a licensed electrician to come out and, and do troubleshooting on, on your system or pick it back up or put a new bulb in and and, and things like that so. absolutely and I think you know if you just if you just pay attention and you look at any HOA or you look at hotels, restaurants, uh, and you compare whether it's low voltage or high voltage. Lighting needs maintenance, and it doesn't matter what any manufacturer tells you. Maintenance will still be involved, and, you know, with gardening. So, so expand on that a little bit, because it's easy to say lighting needs maintenance. It needs maintenance. But what, is, what, what are the things? Well, that's what we're here to talk about on this show is, is what, what if I'm a new contractor and I just put in my brand new first system 
and I walk away and I'm doing it for my, my neighbor, I'm doing it for my friend, what do I need to expect to either myself as a contractor to follow up or expect to let my my customer or my client know that, hey, these are the steps that you're going to have to do to keep that, that system running? I mean, what, what is, what do you think is, what do you know is entailed in, in maintenance on, on a lighting system? Sure, but you know, e- even just uh, kids and dogs running around the yard can knock over, can break fixtures, dragging a hose through a garden, you can snap fixtures off. Um, you look at projects, I keep going back to commercial projects. I see high voltage lighting broken all the time. Um, I'm a lighting geek, so I notice those things. I look around and I, if I was to maintain a lighting system or I was a homeowner, I would much rather have things that, um, let me go back and just say, any installation should be done by a professional. I would always recommend having a professional do the installation. But the maintenance later, you want to make it relatively easy, relatively safe. A homeowner could replace a fixture if they needed to. They could go to a distributor and, you know, wiring up a low voltage light really isn't that difficult. You're not having to hire an electrician. You know, with high voltage, if something's broken, you know, if it's not shorting out, you could have live wires out in the yard. Mm -hmm. A kid could get hurt. Um, but you know, again, circling back on the maintenance side, you know, I've, I've got a system in my house and, and I'd be embarrassed today if I invited you over to take a look at my system because I have, I need to go and do some maintenance. And, and for me, a lot of the maintenance stuff is just as simple as cleaning the lenses. Mm-hmm. I've got bulbs that are burnt out and, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you a, a quick story is, you know, my, my parents live relatively close to myself and. And uh, went over to go check their system, and I asked my dad, you know, are these, how are these lights working? He says, oh, they're great. And went out there and checked it that night, and three of the bulbs were out, and he didn't even didn't even realize it. And mm-hmm. I think that goes back with the maintenance side of going, making sure the lenses are clean, making sure the bulbs are, are burnt out, because it does affect the system, right? If, if a bulb or two are out on a low voltage, it affects the system all the way through if you're if you've got a couple bulbs out but kind of what i'm leading to the question that i have for you tom is is on a low voltage system as part of the maintenance does voltage change on that system throughout its life does it go up does it go down is that something that needs to be checked from time to time absolutely absolutely you should be checking that uh when you lose a bulb everything's based on load so if you set up a system and let's just say you have 10 lights on a single run from the transformer, you're going to adjust the voltage for that load. Now, if somebody comes in behind you and uh, say instead of using 10 watt bulbs, they use five watt bulbs, or uh, they it goes add the other way, right? Fixtures. Instead of 10 watt, they put in a 20 watt, and so I never changed it. That's correct. <laughs> so w- whether the load goes up or the load goes down, that's going to affect voltage drop in the load on the line. So it needs to be checked periodically. You're going to want to have a voltmeter and you're going to want to be able to test it, which is why I love Unique's hub system. (laughs) It's easy to check voltage. Check voltage on the total load, not each fixture. Great. Great. Um, So... What I've seen, and I kind of talked about it a little bit at the beginning of this and, and through the years, even in, in, you know, my short 20 years in doing this, there are a lot of products out there. 
And uh, not that I want to get in there and, and, and pick each product one over the other, but I, I guess the overarching and really talking more on, on um, the new contractor coming in uh, that's doing low voltage or someone that's been doing it for a little bit and wants to expand their business, you know, tell me the difference or, or why am I going to buy a quote unquote professional grade um, that I can get at a, you know, we'll call it an irrigation dist- distribution house versus going and buying something at, at a big box store. And what, what am I, you know, trade-offs here? What am I, what am I looking at? Um, because I can go walk into any big box and buy a name brand uh, low voltage lighting system. I can buy kit for crying out loud and, and just go stick it in my front yard and, and I have the well best lit ha- house on the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Kind of expand on, on what you see the difference between a, what I call professional grade versus the big box stuff. Well, I think the first thing you'd have to think about is warranty, longevity of the product. Uh, most of the big box stores are good about exchanging things, but after a year or so, they're not going to exchange it. And a lot of that product has planned obsolescence. Within a year or two, they've either changed the design or it's, it's planned to fall apart. They want you to come buy a new one. The other thing is the limitations when you find... Uh, Lighting at big box stores, it typically comes with 50 foot of wire and that's all they want you to use. Uh, you start expanding on that and trying to do 200 foot runs and adding 15 more fixtures on the lines, you're going to have big problems. The transformers aren't manufactured or equipped to be able to handle that many lights, but nobody there is explaining this to the end user, the homeowner. The homeowner is really kind of left at their own devices to figure out if this is going to work or not. Uh, professional systems, uh, professional installation is done correctly. We can cover, uh, overcome almost any obstacle. We can do those 400-foot driveways and get bright, crisp lights down at the end of it working properly. Well, and it's the longevity, right? I mean, the biggest thing that I see is, is and, and we can talk about this uh, next, is, is the connections, That's right? right? I mean, what I see, what really just makes my, my jaw drop to the floor is, you know, a lot of these big box stores are still trying to sell the alligator clips. Absolutely. And, and for those of you who don't know, you know, the alligator clip is exactly what it says. It's just like a, a clothesline and you're literally just clipping it to the the main run with the home run wire and burying it in the ground. There's no protection from moisture. There's no protection from dirt. And that kills the, the longevity of the infrastructure of the, of the system. So mm-hmm. now we're going to have lights that are bright today. And they will work great today, but in three, six, eight months, we're going to see a degradation of that wire, degradation of, of that system. And, you know, to your point, there's no support at, at the big box that the homeowner, even if they followed the directions to a T, are going to still have inherent problems compared to what everything else is out there. It's funny when I get phone calls, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, well, when we installed it six months ago, everything was working great. I just... I can't figure out what changed. Why is it not working now? But it's just what you said. When you put something in brand new, everything's functioning. Everything's working just fine. But it's all of those weak points. It's all those alligator clips that are starting to fill with water. You give it six months, you give it a year, and it all starts so, coming apart. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm a homeowner. I've zeroed in on, on a great system. I'm gonna. It's a kit. I bought from Big Box, and um, 
I'm a little smarter than, than the average homeowner, and I decide I'm not going to use those alligator clips, but I'm going to buy a bag of waterproof wire connectors, and I'm going to, I'm going to save this system myself and, and do it that way. Um, am I doing good? Am I doing bad? Is, what's, uh, what's, what's uh, the problem with the waterproof? Well, my belief, waterproof connectors are, are good, but they were really designed for irrigation. If you think about anti-siphon valves, they're above ground in the open air. Those waterproof connectors were designed to put a solenoid valve to a, an irrigation wire. It's not really designed to be buried in the ground. If you also look at valve boxes that hold valves, those connections are not buried in the ground. Well, as soon as you take a large 12-gauge wire, a couple of them actually, and a fixture wire, you push that wire nut down on that, you're squeezing out all of the silicone, and then you're burying it in a wet location in wet soil so it's surrounded with moisture continuously. In class, we strip back wire all the time to show people how much damage moisture is done to the and, copper wire. And when we say damage, right, because it's... it's pure copper it's stranded wire and it's pure mm -hmm. copper there's no inhibitors or anything you know within there and when it's exposed uh to any type of moisture or air or anything it starts to tarnish and that's kind of what we're talking about that's correct and um a tarnished wire reacts just like a clogged pipe you get a lot less you know connectivity and, and you really don't see the the you know that's where you get your degradation on the on the the uh on the system now i've seen it in the field um i've gone as far back as 25 30 feet and seen it from a, a connection point buried in the ground and watched that that tarnish work its way up uh you know 25 feet to 30 feet back to the transformer and so um i, I think we, you know where the important part is, is connections um but i think we're kind of wrapping up here for our, our time today uh we'll talk about connections on a on a, uh, on a, on a future future podcast i want to uh thank you for for listening i want to thank you dr tom for for joining me today thank and you. um again uh, tell your friends about the podcast and um thank you so much